The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation he provides for all who submit to him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. Hey guys, welcome back to The Way BK podcast. Uh, We've been talking about following the way of Jesus. Today we're in Mark chapter 4. If you've got a Bible and you're able to, go ahead and open your Bible there. We're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 4 and verse 21. So far in the Gospel of Mark, we've learned that Jesus is king and uh, that he is the Son of God. Mark's trying to prove that in this Gospel, uh, but he's also trying to teach us some really important things about the kingdom of God. And uh, these parables that we've been reading um, are meant to give us insight into what the kingdom of God is like. Um, When we left off last week, though, Jesus said some really strange things in the midst of the parables he was teaching. Um, He he quoted from the Old Testament saying that uh, you've been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside receive everything in parables, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand, otherwise they might return and be forgiven. At first glance, I guess you look at that and uh, you might be wondering, like, wait, is Jesus trying to keep people out? Is he trying to keep people from actually understanding the word and the will of God? Um, It's what it looks like, right? Um, But truthfully, those who came to Jesus and sought an explanation received it. And what Jesus is going to explain in these verses is that actually his, his end goal is not to hide this truth. But the light that he's been given and the light that he's sharing is meant to be revealed. Um, we'll see that in Mark chapter 4 and verse 21. Let's read together uh, Mark 24, 21 through 25, and then we'll discuss it together. And Jesus was saying to them, A lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, is it? Or under a bed? Is it not brought to be put on a lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed. Nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, Take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And more will be given you besides. For whoever has to him, more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has, shall be taken away from him. I don't know, Ben, as you uh, look at those verses, what jumps out at you in this uh, statement Jesus makes during the parables. Well, to your point, the parables and all the teachings and really the whole ministry of Jesus was meant to be a, an illumination, a, a revelation of God's nature. Right. However, some people wouldn't be. Right. And he did it in such a way that only those who are really seeking God would actually be illuminated, receive the revelation. But he does say here, hey, this, this, all this stuff, it's a lamp. That's right. the whole point. Now, y'all need to pay attention to what you're listening to. Because if you listen to the wrong stuff, you're going to end up messing yourself up. But if you listen to the right stuff, that's going to be what's going to strengthen you. It's going to make you what you ought to be. And, um, and you'll receive, although if you're not paying attention to the right stuff, even what you do have is going to get taken away. And you'll end up losing out. So Jesus isn't trying to keep people in the dark. Unless... They're not really interested. Unless you want to stay in the dark. Unless they're not really interested in hearing him. Which goes back to the last parable, right? Um, Really, Jesus is trying to help the people, these crowds. He's very popular at this time. There's people coming from everywhere. But he's trying to get them to think 
not just, uh, you know, what makes someone a kingdom citizen is not just that they hear, but how they hear. And again, here in this section, he's challenging them uh, and testing their hearts and their ears to see what kind of listeners are you going to be. Which means the, the word of the kingdom is not just a revelation of the kingdom of God and of God himself, but it's a revelation of the hearer. Am I good soil? Am I, am I shallow soil? Am I divided soil? Am I hardened? Back to the first parable in chapter 4. Uh, am I somebody who's really seeking after God? Or am I seeking after things of this world? The message of the kingdom reveals that, whatever the case may be. And that's really important because how we hear will determine how much we actually mm-hmm. receive. Yep. Uh, this, there's kind of this really sobering part in verse 24 Take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you, and more will be given you besides. Yep. Whoever ha- for whoever has, to him more shall be given. Whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away. That seems almost a little unfair at first. It's like if, it, you, you can't take away what I already got. Um, but, but, but if you think about it, why would God? Give us more revelation, more knowledge. A lot of people are like, hey, I want, I want, I want greater understanding. I want to know God better. I want to know more about the Bible. I want more. I, I, want to, I, I want to have greater insight into the scriptures. But if you think about it, why would God give us greater insight, greater knowledge, great understanding if we're not already submitting to the knowledge that we've already received? Yes. What's the point? Yes. What value is it to know about God if we don't actually obey him, if we don't actually submit to him? If Jesus is king, then the power of the kingdom at work in our hearts is meant to be transformative, as we've said before on this podcast, not just informative. He's not just trying to inform us about things. He's trying to completely, radically transform our lives. And to that point, I mean, I think just, just breaking it down, some people get really fired about Bible study. I love, you know, attending Bible studies. I want to learn about all this neat stuff in the Bible that nobody's ever talked about. And I'm wondering about what's going on with this theory and that thing and whatever. Right. But then you come to, hey, are you telling the truth on the job? Mm. Hey, are you uh, doing kind deeds to your neighbor to love your neighbor as yourself? Hey, are you, I mean, just the simple stuff that there's no studying needed, right. honestly. Right. I mean, it's like stuff that a child can regurgitate and even do to right. some extent. And we're not talking about being perfect and never making any mistakes. What we are talking about is, am I even embracing the clear, simple teachings that God has given? That's one thing I do love about these parables here in chapter 4, and there's a couple more here that he uses really down to, literally down to earth, agricultural images that are so simple. It's not that hard to throw seed out, and it's not that hard for ground to receive the seed if the ground is open for it. It just receives it. God's made it that way. Some of the other uh, parables that he's about to talk about in a second, he's talking about little things, simple things, and now that's how it starts. And if we think, oh, I'm going to grow by, you know, developing my theological blah, 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 but I'm not willing to accept and humble myself and do the things that God has clearly said to do, why should I think I'm going to receive anything more? Mm. That's right. And so if we're going to if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to think about how are we receiving the power of the kingdom yeah. at work in, 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 the, in the word that's being planted in our hearts. How am I listening to that? How am I receiving it? it does the word just kind of uh, bounce off of my heart? Does it, does it, do I listen to it, but then I don't, I, I walk away and I see this, see the sin on my face, you know, and, and I don't, I don't do anything about it. 
Or am I actually being, allowing the word to sink deeply and being planted right. in my heart and take root and produce fruit, um, as the parable of the sower talked about. There's so a couple more parables, as you mentioned here, that really emphasize the power of the kingdom um, and, uh, and how it starts small but ends up producing great things. Look at verse 26. He was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day. And the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Kind of a strange parable here. You know, like a farmer, you plant the seed, you go to bed, you wake up. start. Eventually growth happens. You're not really that involved in it. Right. Um, what's Jesus trying to tell us? Well, I mean, I'm thinking in part about some of the lessons we've already talked about in the Gospel of Mark about the importance of trust. Mm-hmm. We'll see this even more here at the end of chapter 4 and going into chapter 5, and really chapter 6, in some ways the end of 4 through the beginning of 6 really emphasizes this big time. But the kingdom of God only works for those who trust God. Right. If you trust in yourself or you're not willing to be patient and wait on the Lord, you're never going to see any growth. You're right. never going to see that power work in your life because you don't take those simple things like being an honest person, being kind to your neighbors, being, you know, whatever the, uh, you know, showing up and worshiping in the simple ways with God's people on a weekly, you know, whatever, and daily right, right. getting encouragement, confessing, your, all these things that God tells us to do. If I don't just do that work and let those seeds get planted in my life, you don't see it immediately. You know, it's not like you go to church one time and then boom, everything changes. Right. It's not like you're honest one time and then boom, everything's better for you or whatever. You even feel stronger the next time you get tempted to lie. It's not like that, but it's like a seed. that when it gets planted, it's growing. And we know scientifically stuff's going on and even they knew back in their day without all the scientific advancements and knowledge that we have today. They knew you plant that seed and listen, you just not, stuff's happening. Mm-hmm. And you gotta let, let the process happen and let God's power in that tiny little seed and then the soil and in the rain and the sun and all that stuff produce something. And even when it produces something, it doesn't produce everything. It produces first the little blade and then the head and then there's a grain that comes out of it. But you gotta trust God in order to let his power work. But that requires a lot of real um, patience, a lot of real reliance and understanding I can't go digging around. If I go digging around to see what's going on with that seed in the ground, I'm ruining it every time. You got to receive the word with humility and let it grow. I think that's right. In fact, sometimes we do that not just with ourselves. We try to force that growth with ourselves, or we want it to happen, you know, by our own strength, or our own power. We also can do that with other people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, hey, we try to, you know, we want to plant the seed, but then we also want to pull it out of the ground. And we want to make it produce fruit and all yeah. that. And and this parable reminds us just how little we have control over mm-hmm. when it comes to the kingdom of God. That's God right. is the one who is, who, who is fueling the growth. Uh, it, is, it, it, is, it is his power that is at work that we cannot see. And so we are dependent upon him, so completely and utterly dependent upon him to work. We can plant, we can water, but God alone gives the increase. Right. And I'm thinking about, too, um, you know, this parable along with the next parable, maybe a little bit more familiar, the mustard seed parable, um, which dis- which displays the kingdom of God like a mustard seed, this tiny little seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it's smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air 
can nest under its shade. Really, both of these parables, I think, kind of help us to see what the, what's going to happen with the kingdom of God. Jesus mm-hmm. is kind of got fore, yeah. foreshadowing. This is how the kingdom of God is going to work. You think about it. When we just started here, it's, it's like one Jewish rabbi pretty pretty unknown didn't go to any jewish you know any of the greatest jewish colleges and universities and uh and a few random disciples none of which seem like the guys that you would be top of the class you Mm -hmm. know like um the guys you would expect to be great in the kingdom of god starts very very small right but the kingdom of god is going to grow and grow and grow because there's a power that's fueling it that comes from god himself to the point that today i mean the kingdom of god is really the only truly international, multicultural uh, religious Worldwide. movement yeah. that's ever existed, honestly, at least that's on right. the scale that it is. I'm not trying to say there's no other religious movements that have impact worldwide, but right. on the same scale and depth as uh, the gospel and the kingdom of God, it's a totally different thing. Right. And once again, and I think we've been talking about power here, and this whole thing is about the power of God, but I love this parable because it shows it doesn't look very powerful. Right. The Word of God doesn't seem very powerful when you're reading it, thinking about it, talking about it with others. Uh, the, the things that God tells us to do in His Word don't mm. seem like they're a real source of power right. or strength to make us better. A lot of times it seems like the opposite. And a lot of times those little acts of faith, those little acts of obedience, those little acts of reliance upon God, they don't seem like they're going to make a difference. But He says those things are like little mustard seed. And within your own, obviously globally, there's the, how the kingdom of God, but even internally and personally, the way the kingdom of God um, fills us up, takes us over, makes us into something, it starts out in a really small way, but then it grows more and more. And that power is something that's uh, not what we think of as powerful. Yeah, this is really a a counter-cultural kingdom, right? All the things that the world would say, like, hey, this is how you become great, this is how you become powerful, Mm -hmm. Jesus would come and say, hey, actually it doesn't work like that in the kingdom of God. The kings of men may be that way, but it's not like that. But, But actually... There's a greater power at work here um, in this in this kingdom. Um, there's a greater power that is at work that 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 works in completely transformative ways by starting on the inside of us and completely changing who we are. Uh, I think a lot of the kings of the, of the world is not that way. You, you you get power by changing other people by you know stepping on other people and that sort of thing. Through force. Yeah, Jesus is going to say the exact opposite. You know, the kingdom of God, the power of the kingdom begins with the, the Word of God taking root in your heart and completely changing who you are, making you not more selfish, more egotistical, less selfish, less egotistical, more more focused on, on the needs of others. Yeah. And that's something that certainly was, was demonstrated throughout the Scriptures and throughout God's history leading up to the time of Jesus. But really, all, this, all these parables, you can imagine some people walking away, and some people did walk away. I mean, the text even alludes to that, that there were... Um, people that really didn't understand these things, only his disciples, only those who really sought understanding would. But all that understanding is filtered through the person of Jesus, which is why I like the stories that follow this and the one in particular here at the end of chapter 4. It helps because all this sounds, it sounds good, but you're like, I don't know, why should I trust what this carpenter turned rabbi from Nazareth says? Why should I trust what he says about the kingdom of God? Right. And of course, this is a culmination of things we've already seen about the authority and power of Jesus and this sets up further demonstrations of Jesus's power uh, and why we should trust him and therefore trust the message he gives us about the power of the kingdom of God. If he speaks with authority but he can't actually prove his authority doesn't really do a whole lot of good. There's a lot of people out on the streets that do that 
Um, but there's something, if Jesus can actually back that authority up, um, the power with which he speaks, um, then is proven to be truly from God. And that's what this last story is meant to show us. Um, look at Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and there arose a fierce gale of wind. And the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Wow, what a story. Um, I don't know what you're thinking. If you're a disciple, you're on the boat. Um, you've just been spending a long day working, doing the work of God. And now you're on the boat uh, heading across and all of a sudden you get hit by a terrifying storm. I don't know about you. I think I'm, you know, weary from the day, long day. I'd be, I'd be a little afraid sure. too. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I mean, it's, it's really, it's actually kind of shocking how Jesus responds. To that. It's not that shocking. Well, I guess it is shocking how Jesus uh, is able to handle this situation. Yeah. This is this is by far the the most demonstrable, uh, demonstrably powerful thing Jesus has done. I mean, right. the most powerful thing he's done is forgiving somebody's sins or whatnot. Right. right? That's right. the biggest thing. But you, but can't, you can't see, see that. that. Right. Yeah. This is the one where man. I mean, we've heard of healings, we've heard a lot of this stuff, but for somebody to stop the wind and the waves, which is a noteworthy thing, Jesus doesn't just get lucky and say, peace, be still, and the wind stops, like, oh, cool. But they're still rocking really hard with the waves. He controls all the elements. He's in total control of, of, of the natural world. He, that's why they ask the big question, who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. And they knew. Who's the only person who the wind and the sea obey? That's God himself. They were seeing God working right in front of them in a person in the form of Jesus. So all that is, is, is pretty astounding. But I, as, as shocking and as uh, uh, unheard of it would be for somebody to be able to do this stuff, I think it also is, wait, Jesus, give us a break. I mean, we thought we were going to die. We're, this isn't our first rodeo either. Right. We've been on the sea right, before. Right. We've been in storms before. And we know what the sea can do to people and you say, why are we afraid? Do you have no faith? No faith. We've been following you. We've left our homes and our, our jobs and uh, respectability and all kinds of stuff. No faith. That seems a little harsh to us, I think, right. at first glance. Well, and that's, that's my thing is like not only is, is things really, really bad, but Jesus is asleep. Like what's he doing? Right. He's, he's, not, he's not even like – he's like completely absent, um, which leads to the question, teacher – do you not care that we are perishing? Right. Um, sometimes I think we can believe in the power of God intellectually, but we question whether or not God will actually use that power For to us. help us yeah. in our time of need. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Right on. Yeah, and this story 
proves that he does. And we're not going to get into all the rest of the stories that follow this up in chapter 5, but they really double down on that notion of, of God's care. I, I do love, uh, so that's the question, and, and you can understand why they would feel that way, because mm-hmm. they, they question, don't you care? You're sleeping through our problems. And sometimes when God's power is working in our lives, it kind of feels like God's sleeping through our problems. Yep. He just throws the word into us, tells us to do all this stuff, and because I'm honest on the job, I'm, I'm not getting promotions, and right. I might even get fired, and people don't like me very much. Right. And though I'm being kind to my neighbors, they don't seem to be kind in response, and they don't seem to appreciate me right. one little tiny bit. And it doesn't. And actually, it seems like keeping the Word of God is making things even worse, and I'm not sure if I really uh, trust Him or trust His Word very much. And I think this brings us back to the question Jesus asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? How could Jesus say that they had no faith? And I think the answer is back at the beginning of this little story in verse 35. He says, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. He doesn't say, let's just get in the boat. He doesn't say, let's get in the boat and see what happens. He says, let's go to the other side of the sea. And then in the middle of the sea, they say, we're perishing. Right. And so I think that's why Jesus could say, do you have no faith? Jesus is saying, I didn't say we were going to die. I didn't even just leave it open-ended as to how this trip was going to go. I told you it was going to happen. We're going to the other side. Do you still have no faith in what I have to say? Have you all not seen the stuff that I've been doing? When I say it, I mean it, and it's going to happen. And I think that's the power we have to learn to trust in. When God says something, he means it, and it's going to happen that way. It's just up to us if we're going to trust him or not, and that's the question. The power of God's promises are not going to fail. Like, God's promises are going to be true. God's word is going to be faithful. It is going to end. But sometimes when we get in the middle of the sea, it doesn't look like it to us. And we begin to doubt, and we begin to worry, and we get afraid. And that's why I think it's helpful, this story, that Jesus gets up, and he rebukes the wind Mm -hmm. and says, hush, be still. In so doing, he's reminding them, yes, I care. Of course I care. I'm here to bring, to, to, to bring the power of God into your lives to change you. But the power of God is not something that is just coming down from heaven to, uh, to, to simply, simply um, show us, you know, show off how great God is. Right. It's meant to actually affect our lives and calm the storms of our lives, calm the storms of our heart. And you think about this, so many of us, we, we live life full of anxieties, full of fears. Uh, we're afraid of the wind. We're afraid of the waves. We're afraid of so many different things in life mm-hmm. that that storms of life that have kind of trapped us, or we feel like, how am I going to get out of this, or how am I going to get through this, or how how could how could this ever turn out for good? And this story reminds us Jesus is aware of the storms, mm-hmm. and He has the power to calm them, and He will calm them in the end. Sometimes. He lets us suffer a little bit. He lets us experience a little bit of the wind and the waves to be able to appreciate just how great his power is. Yeah. And that's how his word works. And all these parables that we've been reading in chapter 4, if we're going to listen to him, the way it's going to work initially is a storm. Mm. His word takes you through a storm. And it honestly messes up your life a lot of times whenever you... But that's not because... Uh, his word is a problem. Our lives are a problem. Right. And we're having to emerge out of a bunch of things, which means we have to cross over uh, a great gulf to get to something good on the other side. And so, yeah, whenever you listen to his word, it's probably going to mess your life up for a little while. You're going to have some complications. He calls it a cross later. Mm-hmm. Death. That's what it means to listen to Jesus 
and to trust in the power of his word. But this, these, these stories, the seed stories, and then this story right here with the, with the, the sea and the, um, the, the storm proves that while God's word will take you through a storm, it will bring you to peace on the other side because his word has the power to rebuke whatever may arise, whatever problems may arise, if we keep on trusting in him. And that's the challenge of these stories, I think. And so I guess our takeaway today is, you know, where is your faith? What are you putting your trust in? And how much faith do you have in the Lord? Every one of us is going to face the storms of life. Every one of us is going to go through them. And sometimes it will feel like Jesus is asleep in the boat. Yep. But we know he cares. We know that he is able. This act, what Jesus does here, you don't see miracles like this um, in the Old Testament done by other people. When Jesus is calming the wind and the waves, he is doing what everybody, Jewish or, or, or pagan or Gentile, understood only God can do. Mm-hmm. And by doing this great act, Jesus is showing that he truly is the Son of God, that he really does have the power of God at work in him. When the storms of life come up, it's important for us to remember stories like this that remind us, yes, he cares, and yes, he is able. He's able to deliver me from this. Uh, and that's what strengthens me to trust this. Of course, there's far greater proof of that still to come in this book. And so stay with us. We'll keep, we'll keep uh, moving through this book until we get to the greatest example uh, that Jesus cares and that he's able to deliver us. Amen. Thanks, as always, for joining us, for listening. If there's anything we can do for you uh, to help, let us know. Reach out, and uh, we'd love to do whatever we can to help you to listen more to Jesus, to trust his word, and be able to be strengthened through it. Thanks, guys. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.